everyone, Angela Bowen here, the host of many podcasts featuring shows from the 80s and the 90s. Well, today I have a special treat for you. The last time I covered a Simpsons episode would have been for Thanksgiving, and I think that was, gosh, was it last November or the November before? I cannot remember whether we were living at the house or whether we were in the apartment. I really... Gosh, no, I think we we're still at the house. Okay, so that would have been November 2019. Okay, so I just thought it's summertime, kids are out of school. It's officially summer now because it's June 22nd. So I'm like, wow, oh, what? There are a handful of summer episodes that are great to cover, and I thought. I'm going to cover from Season 7, Episode 25, Summer of Four Foot Two. This episode aired on May 19th, 1996. In this episode, after realizing how unpopular she is, a disillusioned Lisa sees the vacation to Ned Flanders' beach house as an opportunity to reinvent herself. And here's a second synopsis, written by Daniel Timothy Day. The end of the school year and an empty yearbook causes Lisa to contemplate her lack of popularity. When Ned Flanders is summoned for jury duty and offers Homer a chance to stay at his beach house, Lisa sees this as an uh, as the opportunity to reinvent herself as a slacker in the hope of gaining friends, which proves to be far more successful than she could have possibly than she could possibly imagine. But not if Bart has anything to say in the matter. Yeah, Bart was really. He was kind of ruthless. He honestly, you know, I get it. He's her big brother. He can be a pain sometimes and everything. But I, this is a moment that I I felt for Lisa. I do like Lisa Simpson as a character. I, I like all the Simpsons. I really, really do. I am always watching the Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. Thank you, Disney+. Plus. Because otherwise, I only have a handful of seasons on DVD. So, and it's nice. I can just go to Disney Plus and watch them. And, of course, right now I'm kind of taking a break. Well, I usually will watch Simpsons during my lunchtime. Or I'll watch it, you know, during dinner. But right now Hulu is taking off Seinfeld. And they're actually taking it off in, like, a couple days. Like, Thursday it'll be gone. So, if you guys are Seinfeld fans and you got Hulu, you need to be watching as much Seinfeld as you can. Because, supposedly, it is going to Netflix. We just don't know when. So, maybe I might even try to do an episode of Seinfeld. Which, I've never done an episode of Seinfeld for the podcast. But, there are a handful of episodes of Seinfeld that I just... They're my go-to episodes that I go to when I'm like, I need to pick me up. I need... I need... Jerry, George, Kramer, and Elaine. I don't really like Newman, but I deal with him. Just like Jerry jo- Jerry does. Because <laughs> uh, I was at Target, and they had the uh, Seinfeld Funko Pop, Pop Funkos. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I collect Pop Funkos of all sorts. I really wish they would do some for Full House. Or Punky Brewster, or the Wonder Years, that would just make my day, make my year even. But anyway, I got those, and I guess Target had a sale. It was like buy two get one free. So I'm like, 
I don't really want Newman. I don't like Newman. I don't want to give him the satisfaction of buying his Pop Funko, so I'm just not. <laughs> so yeah, I got I got Jerry Kramer, Elaine, and Holistic George, which is basically him with a purple face with a wooden triangle over his head that is only available at Target stores, and also the Soup Nazi. So this episode actually has a high rating. It's got an 8.4 out of 10, which is awesome. Um, also guest starring 90s star Christina Ricci, who plays Aaron, one of the new friends that Lisa meets. And you can tell 100% it's her voice because if you've seen Now and Then, I mean, this was... 96, so the movie now and that would have come out. Casper would have already come out. Adam's Family and the Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values had come out. So yeah, this this was Christina Ricci's time. Was the early to mid 90s, and of course you may know her as Mrs. Carruthers. But we all know her, have known her for a long time. Before she became Mrs. Carruthers on Full House, she was Edna Carabapal, Bart's fourth grade teacher, voiced by Marsha Wallace. So this episode was directed by Mark Kirkland, writers Matt Groening, the creator. And we got some trivia. I always like looking at the trivia. So especially after I've seen these episodes a hundred times, the trivia is usually bound to surprise me. But I'm not surprised at this one. Marge mentions that Bart has not said, don't have a cow, man, in four years. As of this episode, it's actually six years. Or six years, three months, and 22 days, to be precise. Okay. David Silverman, one of the show's animators, particularly particularly liked the episode because he thought it captured the feeling of being on summer vacation. It really honestly does. It really honestly does. I didn't go on big elaborate family vacations. Occasionally, I think it was like from age seven on up, it seemed like almost every single year I would be going to Michigan's Adventure, which was a theme park. Um just outside of Muskegon. And it's so funny, years, you know, going through, you know, past Muskegon, not realizing umpteen years into the future, I would be living in Muskegon for about a decade. So it's just funny. Uh, yeah, usually I would go with my aunt and uncle, the, you know, my Uncle Dwayne and Aunt Debbie and their five kids. We'd all, we'd go to, they were actually the ones to take me to Michigan's Adventure for the first time when I was seven going on eight. And it seemed like every single year, like my cousins would come up from Alabama, I think it was. Yeah, and then um, they would stay with my grandparents for like three weeks. And then we all went to Michigan's Adventure. Or it's like, oh, my parents like, hey, yeah, I remember because they were going to go. And I said, oh, can I go? Even though I swear like I was going to already go with someone else or something yeah and I remember the one time that my dad had taken me and my sister and um I guess a family friend's kid and we all went and then the last time I went with my dad and Pam and my friend Jerry and Pam's grandson 
and <clears throat> we were going to be, uh, Nicole, my sister up there with, you know, her kids and everything. And it was fun. It was a fun day. Oh my gosh. I still remember, um, I went on a ride with Pam's, you know, my dad's girlfriend, uh, her grandson, who was probably like maybe eight at the time. And the ride we went on, we later found out on the news like, something happened to the ride, and there were people on there, and there was, like, a long way to get people off the ride. Like, the ride had, like, stopped or broke down with people on it. And I'm just thinking, like, oh, my. Well, because Pam's grandson wanted to go on that ride, and Pam didn't want to, you know, go with him. And I guess my dad was, like, getting in a mood because he wanted to leave and go home. Um, but I'm like, okay, I'll go. So it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, if we'd have went on that ride later, it would have broken down. Ugh. But overall, I mean, it was a fun day. Me and my friend Jerry just walking around, hanging out. I, I'm pretty sure we went to the water park because it's two parks. Yeah. Two parks for the price of one at Michigan's Adventure. That, that was the, uh, the jingle. There were occasions where my dad and I, my dad had bought this little cabin up in Six Lakes, very dink town, very small, and we would occasionally go up there, him and I, well, he bought it with his, his brother, and that way sometimes their family would go up. I remember that cabin was just, it was so gross and nasty when we first got up there, everything had to be cleaned and wiped down, and it still just looked really, really dingy. So, Jeremy and I actually, on um, we took a drive, and we're just driving, like, hey, if we're near Six Lakes, can we stop where the that cabin used to be? And we drove down, and it's like the cabin was completely different. Like, someone, like, revamped it, and it just looked gorgeous. And I'm like, oh, my. Just summer's up there with me and my dad my dog. She, my dog and I, Delilah, we go and fish off the dock. It was so fun. Oh, my dad. <laughs> We had an inner tube, and he was, like, taking the, his little boat with the motor on it, and it's just, like, I wasn't, like, this isn't fun. <laughs> he was, like, trying to pull it behind his boat. <laughs> and it's just, it's nasty. Like, you walk into the water, it's, like, all these, like, seaweed or griminess until eventually there's a drop-off point. And he's, like, Ugh. But, I mean, they're good memories. I remember we went to a flea market when I was 13, and I got a Babysitter's Club book. That's what got me started on the Babysitters. It was Logan Likes Marianne. Because Marianne's my favorite character. Okay, let's get back to the trivia. I'm sorry if I bored you guys. Alright. The staff of the show wanted to do a summer episode because there was so much stuff about summer vacations that they felt there that they felt had to be covered in an episode. Christina Ricci was not able to come to the recording studio, so she recorded all of her lines over the phone. Oh, wow, I wouldn't have catched that. Josh Weinstein, who was a fan of Ricci, thought she did a nice job in the episode. I thought, yeah, she did. I didn't know she did them all over the phone. Okay, cool. Gore Vidal is mentioned in dialogue. He appeared in the series 10 years after this episode aired. The mystery date board game that the family is forced to play is an actual Milton Bradley Company board game from the 1960s. Josh Weinstein recalled playing it as a child and claimed to be a very disappointing game to play as a little boy because of the female target audience. Wasn't there something also called, um, like, 
date phone or something. Girl talk. I think my sister had that board game, Girl Talk. The episode was broadcast on the same day as Homer Palooza on American TV. The area in which the Flanders family's beach house is located is based on the Cape Cod Peninsula. Many of the writers spent time on the Cape Cod, so they decided to model the new locations on it. The animators looked at Cape Cod photo photographs to get inspiration for the episode. One of the show's background designers, Lance Wilder, grew up in that area. The scene where when Homer tries to purchase illegal fireworks is an almost direct reference to a similar scene from American Graffiti. I haven't seen that movie. Where a teenager is trying to get a bottle of Old Harper from a convenience store. The title is a nod to the film Summer of 42. The Beach House is based on then-showrunner Josh Weinstein's parents' house in New Hampshire, which the writers have visited many times. They played several board games when they were there, which gave them the idea to have the Simpson family play the mystery date board game in the episode. Alright, let's jump into Summer of Four Foot Two. So the episode opens. Bart, of course, is in the classroom. He's looking out the window. It's the last day of school. Is it, doesn't it always feel like the last day of school feels like the longest day of school ever? Like, I just gotta get through this day! Just gotta get through these six hours or eight hours or however long school goes to. So, Millhouse, of course, is sitting next to Bart and saying, Hey, Bart, guess what? Summer's almost here. What kind of sprinkler do you like? One that, and he's doing all these, like, hand motions and imitations of sprinklers. <laughs> like the one where he's waving his hands and the one where he's like <laughs> and then he's doing like all this spitting and Bart just looks at him like ugh it's the last day at school Millhouse show some dignity so we show a close up of the clock and it, as it's getting ready to hit you know 12 and then we look out and we see all these ice cream trucks all lined up getting ready with their jingles and their bells and everything you just see milhouse like squeezing his says like come on come on come on and that sweat is actually perspirating down his forehead and we cut again to the clock second hand just inching closer and closer to 12 and then of course the clock you know the buzzer rings over which usually signals you know the end of the day at school and then Milhouse jumps. He can't get out of his seat faster. And he's like, school's out. Oh, there's Grabapple. And he runs out of the school. And, of course, <laughs> everyone else is just sitting there. And there's a reason why they're all sitting there after Milhouse just ran out. And Mrs. Krabappel is like, well, I'm glad the rest of you know that summer vacation starts at the end of the school day, not the beginning. And we cut to the clock, and it's 9 a.m., so basically school is just now starting. The class is just now starting. So here comes Lou, one of the police officers, bringing back Millhouse, who's like, uh, <laughs> head down, <laughs> just defeated. And Mrs. Krabappel says, oh, wow, quick work. How did you know he was going to run? And Lou says, well, we got someone on the inside. All the kids that are sitting near Martin just glare at him. Nelson looks like he wants to punch him. So what, Martin's basically wearing a wire. Oh, my God. Well, I'm not surprised, like, that kid wasn't the school monitor in that separate vocations episode from the end of season three. 
So now in the next scene, we zoom in on this door that says yearbook committee, and it says immortalizing your awkward years. Oh, uh, yearbook office immortalizing your awkward phase. So of course, Lisa's on the yearbook committee. She's in a lot, a lot of clubs, which we'll learn later. And she opens the box that says one dozen yearbooks on it, Springfield Elementary. And she uses a box cutter. When she opens the box, she realized that the box cutter actually cut into the front of the one of the hard covers. And the thing is, I didn't get hardcover yearbooks till high school. Basically, we had the paperback, you know, the soft cover ones. Which usually went with that, and which Lisa will get to later, asking everyone, did you keep the slips that you got at the beginning of the year for your yearbook? Because at the beginning of the year, when you place the order, you put 20 down, and then at the end of the year, when you receive it, you got to hold on to that slip. Supposedly, nobody's holding on to a slip for a paper for nine months. Anyway... And then you pay your other 20 so it's like 40 bucks for a hardcover yearbook. Now, I did not get my freshman year heart, uh, yearbook. I really wish I had. I got my sophomore year, junior, and senior year. Those yearbooks, honestly, really, they're not in the best shape for the longest time they were in the basement of the house. <laughs> Just there, so... And every once in a while, like, hey, let's uh, pull out the old yearbook. Hey, let me search on Facebook for some of these kids I went to school with. <laughs> it says retrospectacus. It seemed like the yearbooks always had a word that pretty much summed up the entire school year on the yearbook itself. I mean, it's a gorgeous cover. It's got, it's like a nice, like... Paisley, not Paisley, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, maybe even Periwinkle, kind of similar to that. Anyway, light, light blue. It says retrospectus, whatever. Has the picture of Springfield Elementary, and it's just, it's a gorgeous cover. It really, really is. They did do a good job. And one girl who also works on the yearbook says the leather oleum covers were worth the extra money. And the other, uh, yearbook staff member says you can smell the benzene you know how great it is when you open up your yearbook and it's it's new it's fresh it's got that nice right off the press smell to it ah yeah i didn't know anybody that worked on the yearbook staff i mean i go through the yearbook and it would say like oh so and so worked on the yearbook staff like oh i didn't know that but i wasn't friends with them or talked to them so but anyway, <laughs> so this one girl whose name is Beezy says, oh, when the kids see these layouts and fonts in the yearbook, you're going to be the most popular girl in school, Lisa. I don't think the kids are going to care. I really don't. I mean, I didn't like, wow, these students really uh, did a great job with the, the font and the the and the, the layouts and everything. Like, eh, it's a yearbook. And Lisa even believed her, like, you know, BC, I think you're right. Like, eh. So we cut to Miss Hoover's class, and she's reading, getting to the part where Abraham Lincoln is killed by John Wilkes Booth. It says that Abraham Lincoln and his wife went to the theater, and John Wilkes Booth comes up behind him, draws his gun, and then boom, 
the buzzer goes off, it's 3 o'clock, school's over, like, she closes the book, doesn't even bother to finish it. All the kids scramble except for Ralph and this other kid. <laughs> yeah, this kid's like, what happened in Ford's theater? And Ralph's waving his hand, was President Lincoln okay? And I love Mrs. Hoover, Ms. Hoover's response, he was fine. Go home, Ralph. <laughs> So now we get to the yearbook table out in the hallway, and of course Lisa mentions the ticket. At the beginning of the year, you were given a ticket for your yearbook. I hope everyone still has theirs. And the kids all kind of look at each other and mumble angrily. It's like, excuse me? No, of course we don't have a ticket from September. I would love to see a poll on how many people actually kept their ticket if they got one. That's how it goes. It's like you keep it, you put your 20 down, you get your ticket, you probably lose it somewhere along the way in the next, like, eight months, and then you have your 22. I mean, come on. Do they really expect someone to hold on to that for an entire school year? Come on. These are kids. They lose their homework. They lose their lunches. They're not going to hold on to some random ticket. <laughs> I love how Nelson goes up to the table and is like, who died made you boss? And, of course, Lisa says, well, Mr. Epstein's the, uh, or Mr. Estes, the publications director. I edited the whole, I love how Lisa proudly puts her hand on the stack of yearbooks and says, I edited the whole thing. She's so proud. And Nelson just kind of shits all over it. Like, hey, if you hadn't, some other loser would have. Quit milking it. He jumps on the table and grabs a stack of yearbooks. Starts, like, handing them out. Like, he's almost like he's throwing out t-shirts at a concert. And Nelson pretty much hands out all the yearbooks. And then the yearbook's banner, like, ends up falling onto Lisa's head. So... Everyone goes around, everyone's in the hallway with their yearbooks, everyone's signing yearbooks, and Lisa is, goes to a group of kids that are all in a circle, they're all filling out each other's yearbooks, and she's like, hey, sign my yearbook, and you see it being passed along in a circle from hand to hand, she gets it back and no one bothered to sign it, but while she's having trouble getting signatures, Bart has got basically a booth uh, like it's almost like he's a best-selling author at a at a booth and people are just literally lined up all the way down the hallway <laughs> and I love how, how Skinner comes up there with his yearbook <laughs> and Bart is not buying it like your daughter's name is Seymour <laughs> Principal Seymour's like Okay, it's for me. But I love how Millhouse is there with Bart kind of saying, oh, this here is Becky. She's in the second grade. <laughs> and I love how Bart's like, hey, Becky, nice for, nice for coming. Thanks for co coming out. <laughs> I love the sound effect here also when Lisa asks a circle of people to sign her yearbook. And you hear, like, the squiggle, squiggle of... The, the pens that they're using, the speak, speak, speak. It's almost like a basically marker on paper that squeak, squeak, squeak sound. That it, I just, I like that sound effect. I think it's, I, I do. I love the sound effects in The Simpsons. 
None of them even opens the yearbook. They basically all just pass around a closed yearbook while they're still signing. And Lisa just walks with their head head down, just so sad. I I had a, a few select friends that you know I hung out with in during the school year, and some of them signed my yearbook, but. <laughs> It's not like I was going up to random people in my grade saying, sign my yearbook, sign my yearbook, sign my yearbook. I mean, my teachers, I have my teachers sign my yearbook. I know, I sound like such a dork, but if I had my yearbooks with me right now, I would definitely read from them. But then again, I think they're either in the storage unit or in the spare bedroom in the apartments. So I have no way to get to them. I love this, this sign that Bart has made that's just, Hanging from the bottom of the table he's sitting at. It says, Bart Simpson. Yearbook signing, no personalized greetings. And I think it's funny because if you're a book reader like me and you've been to author events where you're standing in line waiting to get your book signed, someone will come along with the post-it note, ask your name, you know, the spelling. It makes it easier for the author so that way they're not like, and how do you spell your name? And they'll ask, you know, basically just how you want it written out like do you want it do you just want a signature or do you want him to say to you know end your name so I just I think that's kind of cool yeah and Melos kind of uh gives Bart the 411 on the people that are coming up for signatures and he's like yeah this is Becky she's in the second grade and Bart is just like hi Becky thanks for coming out and then he writes and then Becky walks by like he's See ya! He writes like people talk! <laughs> and it's just amazing that, I mean, Bart would have that. Bart would totally have a table set up because he's that popular in that school. Yeah, and here comes Principal Skinner, and I love how Bart kind of glares at, like, your daughter's name is Seymour. And, of course, Principal Skinner starts to stumble. Like, I'm... Okay, I lied. It's for me. Like, oh, my God. And poor Lisa walks away and just, like, poor girl. No one got to sign her yearbook. Well, it's not that no one got to. I mean, she, like... And I'm just thinking, what about Janie? Janie was Lisa's friend for quite a while. Where's Janie? You know Mr. Bergstrom would have definitely signed her yearbook if he had been there. You know he would have. Mr. Bergstrom from season two. Lisa's substitute. I like that episode. That's a good one, too. And Lisa's looking at her picture, and she has a long list of credits as far as everything she's accomplished this year. Bathroom timer. There's somebody who will stand outside the bathroom with a timer just to make sure, like... Okay, it's been two minutes. You better get to class or you're going to get a tardy slip or something. Come on. I would think that is a major I don't want someone outside in the bathroom waiting for me to get done. Seriously, that's nasty. If I got to take a dump, I'm taking a dump. I ain't trying to squeeze one out in two minutes. <laughs> that is, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> what if somebody else brands a diarrhea? You think they're going to be finished in two minutes? I don't think so. So I took a screenshot of what we could see anyway 
of Lisa's yearbook and her accomplishments. Junior overachievement. Record for most hand raises in a semester. 763. Most popular student's sister. Oh, oh okay, I get it. Yeah, because Bart is the most popular student. So she got most popular student's sister. Something about spelling. Uh, something that says queen. Camera club. Tidiest locker, state champion, voted something or other. Because it kind of cuts it off. It doesn't show you everything. But of course Lisa would have the tidiest locker because it's Lisa. I'm not surprised that she got record for most hand raises in a semester. And Lisa just can't get it. It's like, I should be the most popular girl in school. You know, based on these achievements alone, and it's like it's not about what you achieve in school that are get get people to like you. And if you are doing those things just to get people to like you, then you're doing them for the wrong reasons. Just, and I know that people always say, you know, be yourself. People will like you for you. And it's like sometimes, like honestly, you just haven't met you know, your your type of people that you fall in with and you just, they get you and you get them and there's no explaining why you like the things you like because you're accepted. Because other people like those same things. So now I get back to the Simpsons house. We're at the fence that divides the Flanders yard from the Simpsons yard and it turns out Flanders was all set to go on vacation with his family, and he got called up for jury duty. Gosh, I hope I never get called up for jury duty here. Oh my gosh. I'm still learning my way around. Uh, I swear, I got when I lived in Muskegon in Michigan, I only got called up for jury duty twice, and I think both times I didn't have to go. One time, actually, something happened with the phones, like someone didn't leave the message that you're supposed to call and find out if you have to go in that day. So, and I had to work that day, and then the, and I worked a morning shift too, and I'm like, if I gotta call this number, and if I have to go in, I have to go in or I'll get arrested. Turns out they finally got the message up there. Oh my gosh. I think the last time... Was it last year or the year before that it called up a second time? Turns out I didn't have to go, which was awesome. I don't think I'd be very good on jury duty. I just, I don't think that that stuff, all that, that lawyer stuff and all that jury st and all that court stuff would just go way over my head. They take one look at me and hear me and say, you know what? You don't need to be here. Like, yes, bye! But poor Jeremy, I swear, like, he got up for jury duty almost every single year that we lived in Muskegon. We lived there for a decade. But he he never had to go in, thank goodness. So, apparently, Ned already also knows about the case, as then some guy drove over a traffic island and hit a rowboat full of geraniums? What? Okay, whatever. <laughs> I love how... Homer does the hand motion, like, can we kind of hurry this along a little bit? Thank you. <laughs> I love how Homer just rolls his eyes, and Ned tells him that, oh yeah, they're trying to try, they're trying it as a possible maritime offense. 
So, yeah, this is where Flanders says, hey, how would you like to use my beach house, you know, free of charge? And Homer says, I get two vacations a year, and I really don't want to spend it at your beach house. Yeah, and Homer says, and you want me to spend it at your lousy beach house? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, Ned is such a pushover. He's like, hey, if it'll seal the deal, I will be more than happy to take a look at your septic tank and see if I can get it humming again. And I love how <laughs> Homer's like, deal, see, Flanders, you give a little, you get a little. There you go. So while Flanders, and you can hear him, like, the his tubes are squishing in the grass, and he's like, hey, Mr. G Brown Brown, what do you got for me? And I love how Homer's like, well, since he's taking care of that, I'm taking a nap in the hammock, all right? <laughs> So Homer tells him at dinner, like, hey, we're going to go to the Flanders beach house. And I love how Marge, the first thing she's like, are you sure the Flanderses won't be there? Great. All right, Bart. Hey, if you want to invite Millhouse, Lisa, you are more than welcome to bring a friend. And, of course, Lisa is the only one sitting at the dinner table. It's like, oh, yeah, friend, playmate, uh, imaginary. Uh, yeah, Lisa's a great a friend or companion. I don't know. Stuffed animal. <laughs> so, yeah, Lisa, looking at her suitcase, she's got a lot of stuff packed in there. She also has a microscope, which she's later going to be like, ah, a microscope at the beach. Ugh. So, Marge comes up to check on her, make sure, you know, everything's packed and all the good stuff. Like, hey, Lisa, did you invite a friend? And Lisa's like, yeah, a friend. Ugh. Like, these are my friends. And she pulls out an Al Gore book. Yeah, she's like, friends, these are my only friends, grown-up nerds like Gore Vidal, and even he's kissed more boys than I have. And Marge says, girls, Lisa, boys kiss girls. And I'm just kind of thinking, this is something that actually did come up. I follow the Simpsons quote of the day on Twitter, and this episode was uh, a scene from it was featured, and you know, everyone's always posting, you know, quotes and stuff like that. In the comments and this was something where people think that maybe Marge was just na naive that this scene wouldn't fly today if it like n well this was the end of season seven I believe so maybe you know what this you know maybe she thought like Lisa was confused or something or missed what or whatever I don't know and Lisa asks Marge, like, Mom, why don't I have any friends? And I love how she's sitting on the bed and Marge sits down with her and puts an arm around her and says, You know, Lisa, when I was a little girl, I always dreamed that my daughter would be my best friend. And she's like, but that's not answering her question, though. And I love how Lisa, you know, pats her mom's knee like, Mom, we are friends, but I need, you know, real friends, you know, kids my own age. Which, yeah, it's understandable. It's like, I think that Marge could be referring to more like when they're kid, when the kids get to be like maybe, what, 28 and older, like in their 30s, and the parents like in their 50s, 60s. That kind of mother, daughter, or, you know, father, son friendship where you can be, you know, not just so much a parent anymore, but a friend. Like, no kid wants to hear, like, oh, I'm your best friend when you're, like, eight and the parent is, like, 25 or whatever. I, or, 
or maybe 30. I don't know. Anyway, it's just, okay. And, and even still, it's like, but I, and she's not really answering Lisa's question. Like, honey, I don't know why you don't have any friends. Uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I would throw it out of saying maybe Lisa, maybe she tries too hard. I mean, we all know that Lisa's opinionated and everyone is entitled to their opinions and stuff like that. But the fact that Bart is the most popular kid in that school side, I think that sets that bar pretty high that kids are more into the fun rabble rousers, the ones that play pranks. Those are the ones that get the attention and the, and everyone's clamoring to be his friend. Where is... Lisa, on the other hand, she wants to be recognized for her achievements, and that's how she wants. How is she not friends with anyone on the yearbook committee? Those kids all look like they already were her friends. I don't know. So, Marge just pats Lisa on the shoulder and tells her, you know, be yourself. You'll make friends. And as soon as Marge leaves the room, Lisa looks at her suitcase and what she's packed. Like, oh, these dorky clothes. A swim, a swim cap and a nose plug and a microscope at the beach. Really? What was I thinking? So I like what Lisa does here. I mean, it's the summertime. There's no reason, you know, why she can't in reinvent herself. I mean, she's going to a place that she's most likely never going to see. That we, we never see those kids again. So it's best to assume that she never sees them again. It's like, why not just you know, try something different for a change and see how that works. So Lisa just empties out her suitcase, takes it out to the car, and Homer, he's putting every all the suitcases and stuff in the back, and it's like, uh, yeah, this one seems a little light. And I love how Lisa's like, ah, eh, maybe you've been working out. And Homer says, well, I have been eating more. <laughs> and inside the car, we got Milhouse sitting in Maggie's car seat. And Bart says, hey, Mom, Milhouse is fidgeting. I'm going to tighten his straps a little. He, like, yanks <laughs> on the strap. And it's, Because <laughs> we see Marge holding Maggie up front. It's like, I really think the kid, baby's supposed to be in a car seat or something. <laughs> Milhouse is 10. He does not need to be in a car seat. Yeah, when Lisa hands Homer her suitcase, he, he feels like, oh, someone's packing light. And I love how Lisa's like, maybe you're getting stronger. And Homer says, well, I have been eating more. <laughs> so as they're driving away, Marge says, Maggie, wave bye-bye to the house. <laughs> and they're all like, bye-bye house, bye-bye tree. And Bart says, bye-bye toothbrush. And I love Lisa, uh, Lisa says, Bye-bye, Lisa Simpson. So she's leaving her old self behind with the idea that she's going to reinvent herself. Like, that's the way to make friends is to be someone different. Because she's like, being myself for, uh, I've been myself for eight years and it hasn't worked. So they're driving along and Bart's like, when the hell are we going to get, where the hell are we going again? And I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it. Marge says, little pot of wanna sport port something or other. And she tells Bart that it is known as America's scrud bucket. And Bart says, well, wait, I thought that's what Springfield was known for. And <laughs> Marge says, no, it's known as America's 
It's uh, known as America's Scrod Basket, but uh, apparently Springfield's known as America's Crud Bucket. And that's apparently according to Newsweek. Oh, jeez. Springfield gets so much flack. Yeah, hasn't it been in uh, past episodes where it's like Springfield is known as, it's got the high crime rate and other things. One of America's worst cities to live in. Stuff like that. And the Simpsons pull up in front of the Flanders' beach house. And it, it's it's cute. I, I like it. It's long, kind of ranch style. And you can see it's like literally right on the beach. So they get to the front door. There's an envelope that says, read me. Homer opens it. And he's, <laughs> as he reads it, it says, well, well, diddly Elkham Simpsons. And Homer's like, oh, God. He even wrote diddly. <laughs> well, it is Ned. <laughs> and Marge says, well, that was thoughtful. And as Homer continues to read, it's like, I left a few helpful notes around the house. They open the door. Every square inch of that living room has post-it notes on the wall, on the furniture, probably on the floor, everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah, the wall, the couch, even the floor, the coffee table, the uh, china cabinet. Just Oh, and even in the kitchen, I think. I love how they're swinging, little swinging doors. They're like saloon doors when you walk into a saloon. Those little swinging doors. I That separates the kitchen and the living room. I think that's cute. I really think that's cute. But you can even see into the kitchen, like the fridge, front of the fridge is covered with them. And probably the counters and the cupboards too. I love how the top of the fridge has a sign of post-it notes. It's all post-it notes. It has a post-it note that says, put food in me. And Homer takes it and puts it on his shirt. I'll take that. <laughs> Marge opens the freezer, finds empty ice cube trays. And all <laughs> the little mini post-it notes say, fill me. Marge is like, well, duh, Ned, with what? And there's a little post-it note under the fill me post-it note that says, with water. <laughs> oh, my God, Ned! He's clearly had so much time to do all this. Does he really think the Simpsons are incompetent that they wouldn't know? Oh, you fill the ice cube tr trays with water. So, Bart goes into the room that Rod and Todd share, and of course there's a piggy bank on the dresser. Bart goes over to it, turns it over, and there's a post-it sign that says, Please don't steal from me. <laughs> and Bart's like, uh, sorry, Rod. And out pops all these coins. Bart says, nice try, Todd. And starts <laughs> just ending. Yeah, and it's not just coins, it's like bills also. Like, oh my gosh. But then again, this is typical Bart behavior, so why am I surprised? So, Marge is in, I'm guessing this is Ned and Maude's room, because apparently they're sleeping in separate beds, because there's a picture of Ned uh, above one bed, and then there's a picture of Maude again, uh, above another bed, and 
March is just so jazzed. She's like, Isn't this exciting? And Alicia's like, Yeah, it must be so thrilling to make another set of beds. March says, Well, I know you're being sarcastic, but it is. <laughs> So Marge tells Lisa, you know, hey, why don't you throw on your swimsuit and head down to the beach? And Lisa, this is where Lisa admits to Marge that in all the Michigas and craziness of packing, I forgot to pack. And Marge says, Lisa, that's so unlike you. And Lisa says, exactly. So they head to the store. And Marge, the first thing she picks out is like a little set of overalls with a starfish on the fanny and a little pal that you, uh, and a little bucket and scoop thing that that looks like something that Maggie would wear. (laughs) Homer (laughs) peeks his head in the door and says, I forgot my swimsuit too, but I improvised. He's wearing the welcome mat around his waist. You know, the scratchy brown one that you, like, wipe your shoes off on that's all prickly? Yeah. So he runs out the door, and then all of a sudden you see the blue and red flashing lights and the siren of a police car. (laughs) So they go to TJ's Z-Mart. Oh, and it says on the window that dressing rooms are across the street. In the Ingorum building, whatever that is. Actually, the first thing that Marge pulls off the rack is going to be something, again, it looks like it's more suited for Maggie. It's kind of a lilac-colored girl swimsuit with, like, little green ruffles on the sides and on the shoulders. And Lisa says, Mom, I think I kind of want to go for a new look this year. In... Marge pulls off, as she calls it, this adorable sunsuit. It's basically, it looks like overalls with a little ship on the front pockets. Seashell little snap things, you know, on the Oshkosh, bagosh, or Oshkosh overalls. Little snaps that were a pain in the butt to try to undo when you had to go to the bathroom. I should know because I needed assistance with those. <laughs> Starfish on the fanny, and it also looks like it comes with a little sand bucket and scoop. Like, that looks more suited for someone Maggie's age. Oh, yeah, Marge is shopping in the Little Miss section. Oh, I mean, I get Lisa's eight, but come on now. Marge says, it's got a starfish on the fanny. (laughs) The starfish has got, like, these bright red lips. (laughs) Like, eh, no thank you. Of course, we realize that after Marge has completed that sentence, Lisa's nowhere to be found, and you hear her, Mom, over here, bring money! And Lisa is rocking the coolest outfit ever for summertime. Or just anytime. It's just, it's so cool to see Lisa in something that isn't that red-orange dress and pearls. Yeah, she's wearing... Because I love how the camera, like, starts at the bottom of where her feet are with the sandals. And then moves up to the cut-off jean shorts. And then she's got, like, a tie-dye type of long-sleeve shirt on. She's got, like, the John Lennon colored glasses. And she's got the hat that's, like, turned sideways. She's got this I-don't-care expression on her face. Like, whatever. 
So, yeah, of course, Marge is with her. They're right outside the store, and Marge asks Lisa, hey, where do you want to show off your new, as she says, togs? The Sherbert shop? <laughs> or the candle district? Like, uh, See, this is where Lisa, of course, wants to break away from her. Come on, you're kind of being uncool right now. Like, I just, just thought I'd, like, you know, wander around and look for some people my own age. And I, wait, Marge turns, because she's holding Maggie and says, I'm never going to let you go. And you just look at Maggie's frightened face, like, oh, no, I'm not even two yet. <laughs> and already I'm trapped. <laughs> also, another place Marge suggests, Big Sue's Tap Water Taffy. And I like how Lisa is so polite about it. She's like, oh, I mean, Mom, if it's okay with you, I wouldn't mind if I could maybe look around and find some kids my age to hang with. And Marge's like, oh, okay. And she's just so, like, sad, like, eh, I want to hang out with my daughter. Well, you got another one that you're holding on to. And, of course, poor Maggie. <laughs> Yeah, I love how Lisa takes off and Marge is like holding Maggie out like, you'll be my best friend. I'm never letting you go. Oh, God. So we go back to the beach house and Bart and Milhouse are in their swim trunks and they are running towards the beach. And Bart says, hey, last one in is the yearbook editor. Oh, jeez, another slam at Lisa. So, yeah, they dive into the water, even though that's the shell. And Milhouse, of course, he can't see without his glasses. So, but yeah, they both dive and they hit the water, but it's like right at basically maybe ankle level deep. It's like you basically just got hit with a face full of watery sand. And Melhouse is like, I get he can't see really without his glasses too well, but still it's like, I, I'm not going into the water with my glasses on. I'm just not. And apparently it's low tide because we see Homer with his car driving in the water. Now we cut to Lisa who's kind of walking along the boardwalk past the shops Thinking, you know, where are all the kids? Did they ditch me in advance? She comes upon this amazing, huge library that would just make anybody yeah, any uh, so big. And she's, oh, the library. And then she's like, no, 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 that was the old me. I can't. She tells herself that was the old nerdy Lisa. So we get Pippi Longstocking saying, Lisa, read my about my adventures on the South Seas and make me live again. This guy in a top hat looks like he's straight out of Downton Abbey. It's like, we've got my periodicals on microfish. I always thought, like, he's mispronouncing it. Instead of saying microfilm, he's saying microfiche. But it actually is called microfiche. I don't know why. I'm like, eh, shouldn't it be microfilm? Like, no, it's not. So we see Alice in Wonderlink. Wonderlink, Wonderland. Tell Lisa, Lisa, won't you join my tea party? It will be ever so. Don't do it, Lisa. It's a trick. And we see the Mad Hatter behind her put Alice from Alice in Wonderland in a headlock with a gun to her head. Like, damn, this got dark. And Lisa just runs away. <laughs> So, yeah, now Lisa's on the boardwalk, and she's like, I don't see any kids. It's like they ditched me in advance. And she sits down on the the boardwalk, 
And then she hears someone go, he totally goes like, or whatever. And Christina Ricci's character, so like, okay, I can totally hear him going that. <laughs> and Lisa's ears perk up at this, and she's like, only kids are that incoherent. And then she peeks down between the slats of the boardwalk and sees below these kids hanging out. Like, that. Yeah, they're going to be under the boardwalk hanging out. They're not going to be with all the tourists and their parents and, you know, the adults up up above. And we see the group of kids. There's three boys and a girl, you know, Aaron, played by Christina Ricci. And <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, my mom tried to take me to some candle place. I'm like, no way. So Lisa picks up what looks like a Jiffy pan, you know, for making Jiffy popcorn back in the day. And she's, you know, checking her reflection, make sure the cool glasses are still, you know, looking good. The hat's on great and everything. She's like, she's practicing the lingo, like, you know, whatever. Like, whatever. And she goes to approach them. And she's like, hey, and, and all of a sudden, a seagull just swoops down and freaks her. Like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and she runs back and hides behind a, a post or a beam, whatever's holding up the boardwalk. She starts going over, like, hey, like, hey, what's happening? And then the bird comes in, and then she, she f- runs behind that pole or that beam and she's like okay okay it's not your fault it's a bird thing you will you don't control the birds now but you will someday okay <laughs> i honestly love how lisa does just as casually just walking past like hi and the guy's like hey what's up and then someone's like who is that and he's like i don't know some kid <laughs> Yeah, the whole, I guess, really, you gotta act like you don't care. Like, hey, what's up? But it's just, you're walking along. Like, keep it casual. Just don't think about it too hard. If you think about it too hard, it's just not gonna work. Because you're gonna over, that's the thing. Well, Lisa's definitely overanalyzing the situation. But then again, I'd be the same way. And Aaron says, hey, I like your hat. And, of course, Lisa, in her head, like, grasps, like, oh, a compliment. And I love how she says, scanning for sarcasm. It's clean. I wish I had a sarcasm scanner in my brain when I was that age. But, I mean, honestly, you can pick up on sarcasm easily. It's it's not that difficult. So she heads over to them and says, like, oh, you guys skate. Because, you know, the guys are you know, holding skateboards. And the one guy says, yeah, try to, but the cops are always confiscating our boards. And Aaron says, yeah, and you know they're just using him, like, five minutes later down at the station. So Lisa suggests, like, hey, I know a place that is virtually deserted right now that you can skate. You have all the space in the world. So she takes him to the library, which I guess is closed, (laughs) which is weird. Well, it's a nice day out. People are at the beach. They're vacating. Especially if it's mainly a tourist town, people aren't going to be zipping to the library because you got to have a library card. And if you're a tourist, you're not stopping in and getting. Not to mention, you you need a library card. You got to have a mailing address. You can't just go to a town like I'm going to go get books at this library that I vacationing in this town for like a week. No. 
So when she tells them that there's a place they could go to skate that's virtually deserted, they kind of all kind of, the guys and Aaron all kind of look at each other like, should we trust this kid? And I love how Lisa adds, like, like you know, whatever. It's like, you know, it's up to you whatever you want to do. It don't make no difference to me. I just told you about the place, so whatever. And I like Aaron's belt buckle. It's of a peace sign. I, just, I think that's cool. So, yeah, we got the guys skating, and then we got... Aaron and Lisa hanging out by the fountain. That parking lot is so big, it's got a fountain. And Aaron says, wow, this place rocks. What did you say your name was again? And I love how Lisa plays it cool. She's like, didn't. It's Lisa. And Aaron says, I'm Aaron. So Aaron asks Lisa, well, how do you know about this place? Are you into books? And she doesn't say it accusingly. She doesn't say it like if Lisa were to say, yeah, I mean, I like books and whatnot sometimes. It's not like Lisa's like, oh, you like books? You're a nerd or something. like. She doesn't say that. But, of course, Lisa doesn't want to give that part about herself away. So she says, nah, my Goonie brother's always going to libraries. I love it how she flips it like Bart is like the nerdy one. He's always going to libraries and stuff like that. And Lisa says, yeah, I usually hang out in front. And Aaron says, oh, you like hanging out too? And lovely Lisa says, well, it beats doing stuff. And Aaron says, yeah, stuff sucks. <laughs> I, thought, I love this. I love the dialogue. It's just, uh, this is choice of being a teen. Which is funny because Lisa's like eight years old and these kids do look like they're maybe 12, 13 years old. So one of the guys stops uh, his skateboard in front of the pot and says, hey, you want to use my board? And he gives it to, actually like, uh, Throws it at Lisa. Lisa catches it. And she's like, yeah, that's very uh, rad of you. <laughs> it's like she's got to scramble to think of a word. So as Lisa is skateboarding, we go over to the bushes. And there is Millhouse and Bart, like, basically spying on Lisa. Because Millhouse is like, hey, look, Bart, Lisa's skating with some cool kids. And she looks like Blossom. Now... I remember watching some of Blossom. I didn't watch it, like, episode by episode when it aired, season by season. You know, every once in a while, like, oh, this could be an interesting episode or whatever. And I always, when I think of Blossom, I think of those big, giant hats that she would wear. And I remember there was a time, an episode, I think she, like, went to the set like, our NBC studio or something, and the guy who plays Cliff Clavin, John Ratzenberger, was there, as, um, I, Blossom was in the hallway, and I just remember him looking at Blossom and saying, that's a stupid hat. <laughs> I don't, that line always, I always think of that line. I wonder if I can find that one day. Because <laughs> that episode, I remember, I don't even remember what the episode was about. I just remember Blossom being at NBC Studios and passing who she would know as Cliff Clavin from Cheers. And I'm like, that's a stupid hat. <laughs> so Bart can't believe it. He's like, Lisa with people, really? If they're impressed by that, I'm going to Bart their world. So, of course, Bart is gonna skateboard and show off and everything to the point where he's even skating in the fountain he acting like my friendship you know you want it and as he's lying on a skateboard as it passes by Bart and uh, Bar uh, 
Bart's lying on skateboard as it passes by Lisa and Aaron and the guys. <laughs> and I love how <laughs> the guys is a response to like, that kid tries too hard. Smacks up effort. Even they make fun of the fact that Bart's got a slingshot in his pocket. Like, who's he think he is? Dennis the Menace. <laughs> and one of the guys like, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> and before Bart even does any of that, he jumps out of the bushes and is like, alright, Millhouse, you know the drill. And Bart, uh, the Millhouse says, yeah, you go and wild them, I'll hide in the bushes. <laughs> Millhouse does tend to get the shaft from time to time as, you know, being... Bart's friend and whatnot, but that's just how Millhouse is. He doesn't really seem to take it too seriously. And Lisa's like, yeah, that's my dorky little brother, Bart Bartholomew. <laughs> and that's just the thing, those guys are right. Bart does try too hard. Where he's pretty much wowed. You know, the kids are all wowed by him in school. He doesn't have, he's, you know, pulling pranks and all that and stuff. He's got his audience. He's got his followers. Whereas here is like, oh, yeah, what he thinks works for the kids in school. Like, oh, this will work for these kids. No, it will not. Uh-uh. The thing about these kids is, like, anything that smacks of any effort, any type of, you know, where you're doing something, not interesting to them. And I get that they're not into bars. Bart is just basically looks like a big giant show off. And he's kind of stuck on himself. I love how Aaron's like, like, who does he think he is with that slingshot in his back pocket? Dennis the Menace? <laughs> One of the guys is like, <laughs> like Mr. Wilson or something. And Bart just hangs his head and walks away. And Bart walks over to the bushes and Millhouse is so excited. Like, hey, are we down with him? And Bart says, no, they must have seen you. Like, poor Millhouse, he just gets so much shit flung at him. Not literally, but damn. Hate on Millhouse. I mean, I get it, he's, you know, he's Millhouse. So, they're on the porch. Everyone except for Lisa. I think Maggie's probably, she was put to bed or something. And they're playing a board game. And Bart is just still so frustrated that those kids are choosing Lisa over him. So he's like, oh, why do you want to play this game? And Marge says... Because it was the only game in the house. Homer, open the door to see who your mystery date is. And he does. It's like, oh, the captain of the football team. Don't wait up, Marge. He's a dreamboat. <laughs> so Marge is like, all right, Bart, your turn. And he opens the little door. And it it looks just like Millhouse. And he's, he just rolls his eyes and holds up the card. And both Homer and Marge are laughing like, you got the dud! <laughs> And Homer's like, yeah, hey, kind of looks like you, Poindexter. <laughs> and Bart, again, is like, wait, why doesn't Lisa have to play? Why did she get to hang out with her friends? And Bart says, you got friends. You got the dud right here. Speak up for yourself, Poindexter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Amos Millhouse is getting it from Homer and Bart. <laughs> So, yeah, we go along the beach and by the rocks and stuff, and Lisa's hanging out with Aaron and the guys, and Aaron says, wow, Lisa, you know, I never really appreciated all this sea junk before, and one of the guys is like, hey, that clam's got legs, and Lisa explains to him, well, it's a hermit crab. When it outgrows its old shell, it finds a new one as a replacement, 
And she says, my favorite crustacean. And Aaron and the guys kind of look at her surprisingly like, hey, how do you know that word? And I love this nice save that Lisa, like, relates it to something relevant. She's like, oh, yeah, I heard it on an episode of Baywatch. And they're like, oh, yeah, Baywatch, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah, because one of the guys at first when she says crustacean, and Lisa kind of like, Ooh, she, like, she kind of, like, uh, did herself in there. And one of the guys is like, did you learn that word from a teacher or something? And Lisa, I like that quick save. She, no, I, I saw it on an episode. I heard it on an episode of Baywatch once. They're like, yeah, Baywatch, you know, that takes place on the beach. I'm sure you're bound to see, like, crustaceans and hermit crabs and whatever on the beach. So Homer heads to Little Value Mart. And he goes in there, and there's a guy that looks almost identical and even sounds like a poo. We know that, you know, Homer's there to buy fireworks. Is this supposed to take place, like, around the 4th of July, right? Something like that. Like, there's fireworks and whatnot. And Homer pulls the whole, can I get a this and a that and fireworks and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Homer just assumes before he even goes in there, like, oh, I bet this place sells illegal fireworks. How many stands are there, like, little pop-up stands and parking lots you drive around and they'd say, they're like little tents that would have fireworks of all different kinds. I cannot even remember the last time I even blew off fireworks. I'm thinking it was probably in the country. Like, would my dad... There might have been, I swear there was a time where we went over to my dad's and he shot off some fireworks. That was always, I remember we always did that in the road when I was growing up. My dad <laughs> take some fireworks and light them in the road. We'd always have to make, we lived in the country and usually the only cars were coming, the ones that were coming up over the hill by the house. And we'd have to, like, okay, let's move out of the way. So, yeah, we would like to fireworks in the road. And, you know, since we've been here at the hotel for almost four months, I know it's sad, right? Uh, <laughs> there's a baseball stadium that's nearby. I think it's like Dr. Pepper Baseball Stadium or something. And every great once in a while at night, they will have fireworks. And we're the position that we're in. In the hotel, we have a great vantage point of watching the fireworks. So whenever we hear it, it's like, we'll lift the shades up and then we'll watch the fireworks. It's just the cool. Oh, it's it's just so cool. I think, gosh, how many times has it been? Maybe eight times now since we've seen fireworks? Maybe six? It's pretty awesome. I know once we get back to the apartment, we're not going to be treated with like, oh, fireworks. We ain't because we're in a different city here than where we are living. So, yeah. So I love how Homer is, like, kind of starts him back of his neck, like, oh, let's see. Because he, he kind of pumps himself up, up before he even walks into the store. It's like, oh, act like you buy him all the time. Like, oh, let me have some porno magazines. Large box of condoms, bottle of old Harper, one package of panty shields and one enema no make that two enemas after the panty shields is when he's like and some illegal fireworks and an enema no two enemas and of course the guy start because there's another person in the story he says 
I'm sorry, sir, but the, you know, it's basically a statement he probably has to give that he recites all the time so he knows it by heart, the shopkeep. Says, I'm sorry, sir, in this state, the uh, fireworks are, sales are prohibited by law and blah, 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 blah. And as soon as the guy, that other customer leaves, he locks the door. He's like, follow me. And he takes Homer to a back room that is just loaded with illegal fireworks. Oh, no, the guy just leaves. He doesn't go, the shopkeep doesn't go over and lock the door. He's like, follow me. So the shopkeep recommends the M320. He says any flag-fearing, red-blooded American would definitely go with this. Like, celebrate your, he tells celebrate your independence by blowing, uh, the country by blowing up a small part of it or something like that. Like, okay. Oh, he says, celebrate the independence of your nation by blowing up a small part of it. So we go back to the beach house. Lisa's hanging out with Aaron and the guys. And I gotta say, I really love, there's like a piece of, I don't know if it's driftwood or a log or whatever, but then it's, you know, it's basically a coffee table and it's got glass over the top of it and you can see the wood beneath and it's just, that is creative. That is very, very creative. And of course, like, yeah, it's really cool your mom to let us hang out here. And Aaron's like, yeah, not, not like my mom. She'd always be busting it with, like, Rice Krispie squares and tang. And you see, that's exactly what Marge has on a tray. And she goes into the doorway and goes back out again. <laughs> she hears that. Like, oh, I don't want to embarrass my daughter. So one of the guys with long hair is like, my dad's all stoked because today is, like, the 4th of July. And the guy's like, yeah, my dad woke me up at dawn to take a loyalty oath. And the guy that's walking around with the blue shirt that that's always open says, yeah, my mom's French. We only celebrate Bastille Day. Okay, so Bastille Day celebration is a common name given in English-speaking countries to the National Day of France, which is celebrated on 14th of July each year. In French, it is formally called, what's it, F-E, there's like a little like, arrow pointing upward, F-E-T-E, national, and commonly and legally, the 14th of July. Okay, well, it's telling me, which is funny, it's interesting because that's when Jeremy, that's our 14th anniversary this year, July 14th, but I'm just kind of curious, like, there's got to be more to it than that. Okay, French National Day is the anniversary of storming of the Bastille, on 14th July 1789, a turning point of the French Revolution, as well as the fifth, I'm not even going to pronounce it because I can't, that celebrated the unity of the French people on July 14th, 1790. Celebrations are being held throughout France, one that has been reported as the oldest and largest military parade in Europe is held on July 14th. On the Champs-Élysées, in Paris, in front of the President of the Republic, along with other French officials and foreign guests. Alright. Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's what Bastille Day is. Interesting how, and I didn't think about this when Jeremy and I got married. It was 2007. Anybody who was getting married in the summer seemed to have picked July 7 of 2007. Even the pastor was going to marry us, so we, you know, he already had a couple that was already getting married that day. Probably even more than one. So that day was out. 
So I'm like, okay, well, why don't we go with the 14th then? Because, you know, 7 and 7 equal 14. I don't know. Me and my even numbers. I love even numbers. That's just me. Love even numbers. I love the color red. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just interesting. I just, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Bastille Day was on the 14th. So that's news. See, you watch Simpsons and you learn stuff. Lisa's like, hey, well, we could do something fun. How about a beach party? And Aaron's like, hey, great idea, Lise. And one of the guys is like, I know where we can get a beach. And the other guy the, who uh, celebrates Bastille say, I know where we can get some baguettes. <laughs> so we go out to the porch and Marge is pulling out all the stuff that Homer brought with him. He he bought from this convenience store. She pulls out the bottle of old Harper, the porno magazine, and the condoms, and the enemas, and the panty shields. And she says, Homer, I don't know what you have planned tonight, but count me out. The porno magazine says American breast enthusiasts. <laughs> okay. Granted, they couldn't show, like, Playboy, I mean, yeah, Playboy, or Hustler, or, um, gosh, what are the other nudie, nudie magazines? Hustler, Penthouse, let's see, Penthouse, Playboy, gosh, I still remember when I got my first Playgirl magazine when I was 18, I went to this party store, the small little dink party store in the small town, and, <laughs> oh my goodness, I, th I can't remember how many issues I would get, but, hey, I mean, I, <laughs> that was my curiosity. We're just looking at the bottom of the, the bag, they're like, didn't you buy any meat? And the whole time she's been talking, Homer's been staying away from her, because he's holding that M320, you know, firework thing. He's like, here, let me show you how this works. <laughs> oh, no, he, he's patting the, <laughs> he's holding the giant red firework thing in one hand, patting it, saying, oh, this baby's sure to blow up something. And he looks at Bart like, hey, do you got any matches, uh, a lighter? And Bart's just shaking his head, like, really? Homer's <laughs> like, you don't have any, oh, my goodness. So, of course, it's like, the only way this, you know, firework thing's going to go up is if the, Fuses lit. So he goes in there and, of course, he <laughs> uses the oven to light it. Oh, my gosh. So when Homer goes and lights the fuse, because it's got a long fuse on it, it basically, the flame from the stovetop, like, the fuse thing breaks off to the point where it's that much closer. What's left on there is lit and that much closer to the firework. Like, before it had a long fuse on it. So, okay, you hold it for a minute and you But you technically should already know what you're going to do with it. You don't bring it into the house! So Homer's like, running, like, what do I do? What do I do? And he goes and puts it in the fridge. He's like, no, the beer, the food! So he pulls it out, and then he's like, where do I put it? Where do I put it? He puts it in the dishwasher, which then the thing explodes, and now the sink's backed up. You see all the, like, the sludge and the fish scales and everything coming up. And then later you see Marge washing broken plates. 
God. I, I'm sure that that sink is like complete. The piping is completely messed up. And I, how Homer real like, um, okay. So he just like sees like the damage he's done and he just walks away. Like, <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't see anything. Bye. Both sides of the sink fill up with blackish gook water. And it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm surprised that, like, the thing when it exploded didn't, like, put a hole in the dishwasher and have plates of whatever was in there shooting out. Literally looks like black sludge is coming out of both of those sinks. Thick, black, watery sludge. Ew. So, meanwhile... Do you see Marge in the kitchen? Because we're getting the view of the porch where Bart and Milhouse are sitting. <laughs> and Bart is like, oh, this is the worst 4th of, of July ever. I hate America. And inside we see, oh, Marge is like cleaning up the floor from <laughs> that toxic slut, black, black sludge that was pouring out of the sinks. And Bart's like, hey, Milhouse, come on, let's go down there. And Marge, of course, is overhearing this. She's like, I don't think you should. You let Lisa be alone with her friends. And here Bart's like, well, they're my friends, actually. She just got them by copying me. And then we hear Lisa say, don't have a cow, man. And Bart's like, see? See? And, of course, Marge is like, or is yeah, he says, those are my friends rightfully. She just got them by copying me, as you hear Lisa say, don't have a cow, man. And all the, the kids all laugh. And he's like, see, that's my expression. And Marge says, you need to sit down, Bart, okay? You haven't used that expression in four years. Sit down. <laughs> says, you haven't said that in four years. Let Lisa have it. And Bart says, it's the principal, though. She's got to learn. And Marge says, no. Now, park your keister, meester. <laughs> she and Marge actually puts her hands on Bart's shoulders, turns him to face the steps, and pushes him down onto the porch. It's a, Sit your butt down. And then we hear Lisa say, ay, caramba. Gosh, when the heck was the last time I had heard Bart say that? Probably the first couple seasons. Even don't have a cow, man. That one, uh, oh, I remember when, uh, Hurricane Nettie, when Ned kind of throws that back in Bart's face, like, oh, wouldn't want you to have a cow, dude. So, Bart looks like, it looks like he's up to something. He is going to do something, which I just, I think this is just, it's low down and it's just, that is so mean what he does, but now we're down at the bonfire. Lisa and Aaron are sitting next to each other. And Aaron's like, oh, Lisa, I made something for you. And she puts a friendship bracelet on Lisa's wrist. And Lisa's like, oh, my first friendship bracelet. Thank you. And Lisa takes the little shell, the shell that the hermit crab was in, because she's got it on dental floss. And she, t you know, she made a necklace out of it. And she takes it off of her head and gives it to Aaron. And Aaron's like, oh, cinnamon dental floss. <laughs> cinnamon dental floss is good, though, definitely. And Lisa says, I know, I just know we're going to be friends forever. And then we see what looks like binoculars, but it turns out 
Bart is looking through Milhouse's glasses and walks off with them. Of course, we know Milhouse really can't see without his glasses. And he mistakes some type of beach creature for a cat or something that he's rubbing against his face. And you hear the little, like, little hissing sound from whatever the sea creature is. Yeah, Bart says, so Lisa has a friend. We'll see about that. It's like, Bart, leave her alone. Let her be with her friend. Oh, Milhouse mistakes that little creature for a dog. Like, nice dog, and he's petting it, and you see the tail thing go up, and the little hissing sounds. So we see the fireworks, and we see Lisa being thrown up in the air, like she's in the center of a blanket, and everyone... You know, Aaron and the guys are all, like, like shoving the blanket upward. That makes me think of, like, gym class in, like, first grade or third, uh, or kindergarten. And you have that, you know, that parachute, that rainbow parachute. And you're lifting it up and down and up and down. And it's like you have, like, like uh, these... I don't know whether like plastic balls or what it is or it's just and you just lift them up in the air and I just remember doing that in gym class in like either kindergarten or first grade and just thinking how cool that was like this is fun this is fun <laughs> or we get Lisa's inner monologue of like I'm dizzy I'm nauseous but I'm popular she's being thrown into the air we do she does see bart cresting over that hill and he's holding her yearbook and bart's like no no don't don't do that and bart's like mm-hmm. like i just think this is ruthless of bart it's like come on you know lisa's got a hard time making friends and you're ruining it for her because you're jealous and Bart yells, hey, you guys, you want to see how cool Lisa Simpson really is? And he starts opening her yearbook to all of her accomplishments, the clubs that she's in, the German club. And yeah, and Bart points to a page that says, Miss Perfect Attendance. And you see a picture of her with a sash and shaking Miss uh, Principal Skinner's hand on stage. Grammar Rodeo Head Buckaroo. Which is funny because in... um. What is the 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 spring break episode where Bart uh Bart on the road I think is that is that called where he and Nelson and Millhouse and Martin all you know Bart gets a fake driver's license and they go to Knoxville to see the uh Sun Sphere <laughs> and I guess the alibi was that they're going to go to a grammar rodeo in Canada. <laughs> then he turns the page and we see Lisa at the French table. She's the only one in that club. And then she's at the, you know, another one of her at the German table with Uter, who is the foreign exchange student. And Lisa's just sitting there shocked in that blanket. And Aaron and the guys just drop the blanket. And Lisa just falls to the ground as they go over, like, and look at the yearbook. And they kind of look at Lisa almost like they've been betrayed. Like, is this true? And even there's a big picture as Aaron reads out teacher's pet and Aaron and the guys like turn and look at Lisa whose lip is her chin is quivering and tears are running down her face and she just runs away. And, he, you know, you feel so bad for Lisa because, you know, she really just wanted friends and to be accepted for once in her life. 
And now that she finally has it, then Bart comes around because he's jealous and ruins it for her. So the next morning, Marge is washing those broken dishes and Lisa is eating cereal. Bart comes up and sits next to her like, I, I, and he's like, yeah, I know my yearbook stunt did seem a little rough but it taught you an important lesson lesson to always be yourself and as soon as marge turns her back (laughs) she grabs bart and then grabs it looks like it's like a bear shaped thing with with honey in it like she's gonna like douse it all over bart's head And she grits her teeth, and Bart looks frightened the way that she grabs him by the collar of his shirt and threatens to, like, drop honey all over his head. She's like, I know who I am. I am the sister of a... How does she say it? Hold on. Yeah, Marge leaves, and she... And Lisa takes the opportunity to grab Bart by his shirt collar. I know exactly who I am. I am the little sister of a mean, rotten jealous little snake. Yeah, and this is where she picks up that bottle of honey and gets ready to douse it on Bart's head. She says to him, you cost me my only friends. You ruined my life. And Bart literally looks terrified. Of course, here comes Marge with the paper like, hey, kids, guess what? There's a carnival tonight. And Lisa immediately goes back to her cereal. And Bart's like, (laughs) Like, he he is full-on frightened. It's like, well, you deserve it, buddy, for the way that you acted. You did not have to go that route. And (laughs) immediately, Milhouse pushes the box of cereal. We didn't even know that Milhouse was sitting there the whole time. It's like, oh boy, a carnival! Gotta do feel a little bad for Milhouse. It just seems like Bart is so preoccupied with the fact that Lisa's hanging out with these other kids and Bart which is like he could be hanging with them when he's got his own friend and Milhouse just seems to be getting, you know, the shaft in a way. So Bart and Lisa decide to take their anger out on each other with these carnival games. One includes the, the game where you got the water pistol and you're shooting it into the clown's mouth to make the balloon bigger. And Lisa turns and starts shooting Bart with the water pistol. <laughs> And then they're on this ride that goes around and around. And Milhouse is stuck between Bart and Lisa. And <laughs> Lisa and Bart are spitting at each other. But being that the gr- the motion and the ride and everything is causing the spit to come back and hit Milhouse in the face. You should hear him going, help, help. Bart actually like thinks to himself like he's gonna shoot Lisa with a water pistol and she already is one step ahead of him as he turns and she hits him full on in the face with a water pistol. (laughs) Marge sees this and she (laughs) tells him, kids, stop that. Don't make me get the carny. (laughs) Where is the carny that's supposed to be running that game? So yeah, they're on the spinning ride and Bart says, hey Lisa, make friends with this. And he goes to spit at her and it doesn't even get close to her face and ends up landing on Milhouse's cheek. And then Lisa does the same thing. And poor Milhouse is like, help, help. We just see the carny there smoking a cigarette while he's operating the ride, ignoring. (laughs) So Marge, Milhouse, Lisa and Bart are all in the bumper cars and Marge says, no kids, there's no need to bump. Just enjoy the ride. And 
Bart and Lisa are full on glaring at each other, and they're they're going for each other. Well, at least Bart is. Lisa's apparently does not work, cause Bart like sh- sh- like goes straight for Lisa's bumper car and hits it with so much force that it drives it through that barricade and it goes out onto the grass and ends up hitting a tree, which causes a bird's nest to fall on Lisa's head. Because you see Lisa, like, putting her foot on the pedal and it's going directly to the floor. It's not moving. Like, okay, there's a broken one. Come on. If you're going to have that ride up and going, you make sure those things are ready to go. We don't need any non-working bumper cars. So, Lisa just is like, the heck with this. And she removes the bird's nest from her head and just walks back to the beach house. And Bart actually, at this point, feels guilty. He feels bad. It's like, Lisa, wait. It's like, he thought doing that to Lisa would make him feel good. And it's like, no, it's just, he didn't get what he wanted. She's so miserable and, uh, and upset. So, Lisa goes back to the beach house and she hears Lisa is going to freak when she sees this. And she thinks Aaron and the guys are just pulling a prank on her or whatever they're doing. She's like, just hurry up and do whatever humiliating thing you want to do and leave. I'm going to bed. And even before Lisa gets, as she's walking down the road to the beach house, she says, well, being myself didn't work. Being someone else didn't work. Maybe I'm just not meant to have friends. But I like that Aaron and the guys actually surprised Lisa. And they put in seashells and everything on the car, Lisa rules. It's just so sweet. Aaron says, we don't care about who you were. We just care about who you are. Like, that's who you were isn't important. You're our friend, and that's all that matters. Of course, Homer's like, sweet, merciful crap, my car! It's covered in seashells and everything. And then we see on the drive home, like, there's seagulls, like, attacking their car as they're driving. And Marge says she appreciates the sentiment and them cheering up Lisa, but I wish they'd clean the shells first. And Bart also mentions, like, hey, Lisa, before you left, I, uh, show your friends your yearbook again. And she's like, Bart, why did you do that? And he's like, Look at it. And she looks at it, and there's all these messages from Aaron and the guys. And, of course, Milhouse is like, I signed it, too. And she looks and like, see you in the car, Milhouse. <laughs> so, Milhouse. Yeah, well, when she confronts them when they're working on the car, she says, so you found out oh, I'm an overachieving bookworm. So what? Just finish whatever mean prank you're pulling and send me a Polaroid. And Lisa, everyone stands back and shows Lisa, and Lisa is just amazed and surprised in a good way. And they're like, yeah, pretty cool, huh? See, now you can take the beach with you wherever you go. Aww. One of the guys says, uh, but don't drive at night because there's, like, starfish on the headlights. And Lisa asks him, does this still, does this mean you still want to be friends? Even though I try to cover up my nerdish learnings? And I just love what Aaron says. It's just so sweet. Oh, nerdish leanings. Okay. Yeah, and Aaron says, we don't care who you were. You can't fake 
the kind of good person that you are. Yeah, one of the guy with the open shirt says, "Yeah, you taught us cool things about nature and why we shouldn't drink seawater." And Lisa says, "This is the most thoughtful thing anyone has ever." And here's where Homer comes up late and says, "Sweet merciful crap, my car!" As you look at the car, and every inch of it is covered in seashells. And, yeah, they're driving, and Homer's irritated because you see, like, seagulls are having at that car. And Marge says, well, the polite thing to do would have been to clean the shells first. Well, those kids didn't know that. Yeah, Bart says, well, I guess I should give this back to you. I showed it to your friends again before we left. And Lisa says, Bart, look inside. And... On one page, it says, we'll miss you in big letters. And then I screenshot the other page, which you made a hot summer very cool. I'll miss you, Aaron. Like, I like you, you know, Dean. Without you, summer's a bummer, Rick. Oh, it's cool. There's a skateboard and there's a, it looks like the more you know star with a rainbow behind it. And Erin, like, signed her name, and the N has a heart on it. There's a seashell. And uh, someone drew a hermit crab with a shell. Next year, bring your microscope, Ben. Okay, cool. I like that. It's so cool. Oh, I would have loved to have seen a follow-up where they go back and she gets to see them again. That would have been cool. And I love how is like, I signed it too, see? <laughs> Milhouse just wanted to be included. I love how Lisa looks at Bart. It says, oh, thanks, Bart. Aw. He signed in, like, the right-hand lower corner of the page. It says, see you in the car. Best wishes, Milhouse. <laughs> so, oh, I had fun with this episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. This just, oh, it just screams of summer and just vacationing and stuff. So, so okay, I'm going to play a couple clips from other shows that are my favorites that talk about yearbooks. Signing yearbooks, the agonizing thought of what to say when you're signing, especially if you're signing a yearbook of someone you're crushing on or just in general. So the first clip, of course, is going to be from The Wonder Years, Season 2, Episode 17, How I'm Spending My Summer Vacation. This is where Kevin and Winnie exchange yearbooks to sign them and I actually did cover this I covered all of the wonder years you can find it all on SoundCloud looking back on my wonder years a wonder years podcast and I actually covered yeah all three uh Halloween's Finding My Summer Vacation Summer Song and The Lake all in one episode so here's the first clip from Halloween's Finding My Summer Vacation Idea who this girl was. 
fast. Have a neat summer. This is going to bite okay, him in the ass cheap. later. But it did have a certain flair. So the next clip, of course, from this episode that I am going to play is where they're in the lunchroom and Winnie is thinking about what to sign in Kevin's yearbook. And Kevin, of course, is eyeballing her, <laughs> like watching her ruminate over what to sign, what to write. And of course, that's the thing sometimes, especially if you're like, like you try to go with like a nice, simple greeting, like "Hey, see you in the see you in the summer. Let's have a fun time," or have a neat summer, or see you soon, or we had a great year, it was fun hanging out with you, that, that kind of thing. Kevin pours his heart and soul out into the page in Winnie's yearbook. She wasn't the type to up and leave you. She wouldn't pull a stunt like that. She was thoughtful. Look at her, mulling over what to write in my yearbook, carefully choosing her words. <laughs> Wait a second, this was serious mulling. <laughs> Something was definitely going on here. Sure, we'd had our ups and downs, our missteps, but we were older, wiser. It was time to let her know how I felt. It was time to make poetry. No matter what the obstacles. I love you. Oh, that is too far, buddy. <clears throat> okay, it was a bold and reckless move, but I was a bold and reckless guy, and these were bold and reckless times. I'm finished. I checked out to hog up too much space. Me too. Here's yours. <laughs> bite him in the ass later. Just like, I'm sure she didn't add anything. Oh. The next clip I want to play about yearbooks comes from One Tree Hill. It's season 4, episode 17. It gets the worst at night. This is where they all go. This episode actually was part of a national contest where the cast of One Tree Hill go to Honey Grove, Texas. I've never been there but um, I've heard of it due to this episode. They go to Honeygrove, Texas to rescue Mouth, who, if you've seen One Tree Hill, this is, the whole gang goes to Honeygrove, Texas to rescue Mouth. And on the way there, you know, their senior year is pretty much over. They're just about graduated. And 
<laughs> They're all going over, like, old yearbooks from, like, freshman year, sophomore, junior, what have you. <laughs> it's just funny. They're just kind of reading at some of the old comments and messages in their yearbooks and just laughing about it now. Yeah, it starts out funny for some of the comments that are left in their yearbook. And then, of course, if you're aware of One Tree Hill, the school shooting where Jimmy Edwards brought a gun to school resulted in the death of Keith Scott, Lucas and Nathan's uncle. And Jimmy had written in Lucas's yearbook saying, hey, Luke, thanks for always looking out for me and everything like that. So, Which kind of brings the, uh, the laughter to a screeching halt. So I'm going to play a couple clips here from Summer Song. Uh, the first one, of course, is this is where the family goes to Ocean City for a few days. It's a family vacation. And Paul... Much like the Millhouse character, kind of gets shaft thrown aside for this episode. Because he ends up getting, like, death, not deathly allergic, but just his face kind of puffs out and gets a rash or blotchy or whatever due to eating fish. But uh, this is just the beginning part where Kevin says, hey, maybe a family vacation will do me some good. And just, I mean, this is... <laughs> Kevin's in the back with Karen and Wayne, and of course, I really think that they need to be putting Karen between Kevin and Wayne, because Wayne is, of course, the instigator. He starts, you know, elbowing Kevin, saying, hey, you crossed the line, and Paul actually is sitting up front, you know, back when you could have three people in the front of the car with... <laughs> with Jack and Norma and, and Paul is there in the middle and it, and then Norma's trying to get everybody into playing like hey remember on these trips you used to play the alphabet game and the kids are looking at well Kevin and Karen and Wayne are all looking even Jack is looking at him like are you what are you serious like can I just drive or can we just do what we're oh my goodness <laughs> Norma always trying to bring the family together. It sounds like definitely a Marge thing. They hated him. Okay, let's get started. <coughs> Bye. Bye. Yep, maybe a family vacation would do me some good. Wait, come on. <laughs> you 
survive the car trip first. Remember how we used to play the alphabet game? Come on, <laughs> they're rolling their eyes. Like, I'll go first. <laughs> even Jack's like, what? What? Sounds boring. Oh, jeez, he's getting car sick? What figured on was the awful reality of actually traveling with Paul. <laughs> Get him out of here. And of course, here's the scene where Nora realizes, like, Paul does not look so good. Like, his face is, like, all blotchy. Because she thinks at first, like, he got sunburned. And it just, it just makes me think of, you know, summer of four foot two, just with Bart bringing Millhouse along and... <laughs> Like, Paul just kind of get he basically gets a vacation from the Arnold family during the day. He gets to hang out in the hotel room. <laughs> and poor, poor Millhouse just gets the, uh, the, sh the shaft with Bart being so preoccupied with Lisa and these new friends of hers. And one thing now I just realized after covering The Simpsons... <laughs> My, I've been talking into a microphone that was not plugged into my laptop the whole time. And I didn't even notice until I glanced over and like, oh, there's nothing plugged in. But the microphone on the laptop has been picking up my voice the entire time. So <laughs> I just can't believe it. It's like I didn't, I'm, I'm talking into the microphone and just acting like whatever. And it's like, it's not, that is, this honestly, it's not the first time that I've done this. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> Look, thank goodness for the microphone on the laptop because my goodness. But here's the clip with them finding out. They go to a seafood restaurant the night before, and Paul's like, "Fish, I must have had the fish." When he when he's looking at his face in the mirror, and Kevin's like freaked out. He's like, uh, "Do we need to take you to the hospital or call an ambulance?" And Paul's like, well, no, I just got to hang out inside for a few days. And Kevin says, a few days? Paul, that's the entire trip. You really think that Jack would have been able to, he wouldn't be complaining about a week of vacation? No, he, he, most, he could, most likely this is a, you get out of work Friday, you head out, and then you come back sometime Sunday. So it's basically just a couple days, like the weekend. Yep, I always had Paul. Come on, let's go. Paul? <laughs> Are you okay, honey? Yeah, why? It's your face. You look like you've got a sunburn. Come on, how can you have a sunburn? We just got here. Still, his face did kind of look like a Petri dish experiment. Is it red? Yeah. Lachi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is not good. This is definitely not What did he good. have? What is it? Fish. I must have eaten fish. Why are you worried at a seafood oh, restaurant? What do you have to do? Call an ambulance? <laughs> no. I'll be okay. I just have to stay inside for a day or two. Those are the shortest wind trucks. Well, that's the entire vacation. How could Paul do a rotten thing like this to me? Thanks for thinking of me, pal, but I'll be okay. Uh, Trust me. Oh yeah, Kevin is just kind of thinking about 
how his family with them arguing, you know, Jack's arguing about with Wayne about his long hair. Karen's complaining about all, all the flies at the beach. And Kevin just goes off for a walk. And he's just kind of recalling, he's recalling, and we do get a film strip, you know, flashback of a home movie. Someone's filming them when Jack and Norma with the kids on vacation. And Karen is probably like maybe six or eight years old. Wayne's probably like, all, you know, if Karen's eight, he's probably six. And then Kevin's got to be like three or four. And Kevin just doesn't understand, you know, we were a family. We did things together. We had fun. And now it's just everyone's off doing their own thing. Karen's going off talking to some guys. Wayne's just being Wayne. And it's like, you had fun. You didn't have to force it and make it happen. It just happened. And even, you know, in The Simpsons, I mean, Lisa was doing her own thing. That was pretty much her episode about... You know, her trying to find an identity that worked for her that it would allow her to make friends. And then, of course, you got, you know, Bart and Milhouse doing their thing. Bart spends a whole episode being jealous of Lisa having friends, even though he's pretty much not really being a friend to Milhouse. But then again, that's just Bart and Milhouse's relationship. Homer wants to blow something up with a firecracker. And Marge, of course, is... Trying to find someone to spend time with her because Lisa's off being, you know, Little Miss Independent and stuff like that. Like, at some point, it stops being about family together and each person going off on their own journey of summer exploration. You could still go somewhere together, but you're kind of gonna... Like when you go to an amusement park, everyone's like, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do that, and everyone kind of splits off. Long is. This is not long. You should see the guy Karen was talking to. Who is Karen talking to? Can we please try to have a good time? Karen's going away to college next year. This is the last time we all have to be together. <laughs> she acts like it's the end of the world. Why are there so many flies here? Because there's people and food. And at the end of this whole movie here, you do see the family walking on the beach together. And I like at the end of the episode, you see them all, it's nighttime, they're walking along the beach, and it's just a sweet moment. Like, even though everyone's older and everyone's kind of wanting to do their own thing, you could still come together for this moment and just be a family for a minute. And just, you don't have to talk, you just walk along and just be there. 
lot happened on the beach in Ocean City that summer night in 1969. <laughs> but of course, none of it was permanent. was my next door neighbor. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> Sorry about your dad moving to Chicago. Why, well, yeah. So, uh, how's Chip? Oh. Okay, maybe I was asking for trouble, but I had an ace or two under my own. You broke up. Guess it was just one of those summer things. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's great, huh? I think it's gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Welcome, Welcome home. home. Thanks. What you doing <laughs> When you're 13, it's a long way to Albuquerque. Terry told me about getting her learner's permit and taking her first drive with a stick shift. She wrote of our night at the beach. She told me she missed me so much that she cried herself to sleep at night. And she promised to write to me until we saw each other again. I keep that letter in an old shoebox. It was the only letter she ever wrote me. Yeah, and just like Lisa with making friends and stuff she most likely won't see again, they're just summer friends. Just like Winnie with her guy Chip when she was in Maine. Kevin meets a girl in Ocean City. They have a great time hanging out together for an afternoon and going on bumper cars and taking funny photos in the photo kiosk. And, you know, he gets his first French kiss with this girl. And the thing is... He talks about how she wrote him back. I don't know if he wrote her. And he still has the little strip of photos that they took. And everything. It's just... that Sometimes that's just how it is with friendships and, and summer flings. Romance. Whatever you want to call them. They're just there for the summer. Maybe that's all they're honestly really meant to be. That the friendship or romance doesn't go any farther than that. It's like, there for when you need it, and then, you know, it's gone, and you're left with the memory. And I just, I kind of, I like to play, you know, the how I'm spending my summer vacation with, you know, Kevin and Winnie in the yearbook and everything like that. And then, you know, because the episode, the Simpsons episode did kind of focus on that at first and then it was more about Lisa finding her identity and then of course making friends and how 
even pulling in a little bit of Bart and Milhouse into the Kevin and Paul summer hangout trip. And then where Paul's kind of pushed to the side and then Kevin meets a girl and they spend time and they develop, you know, a little summer romance for a day or so. I just like kind of like similarity comparing the two between The Simpsons and The Wonder Years. They're both amazing shows. And I just, I love The Wonder Years so much with all my heart. And there are just so many Simpsons episodes, mainly from seasons like one to, I'll give it to like maybe season eight. And there might be an episode here or there throughout some other seasons. But I just thought this was a good episode. And I, the only other Simpsons episode I had covered was the, the uh, Thanksgiving one, and I definitely want to hit up a Christmas episode this December, so. Because I haven't covered the very first Christmas episode yet at The Simpsons, so I might do that this December. We'll see, so. Alright, everyone. Have a great July. Bye-bye.